Wednesday. And I'm David. I'm Emily. And I'm Scott. Scott is a game guru at Snakes and Lattes, a theater professional. He puts on Drunk Shakespeare, which is literally exactly what it sounds like. And once upon a time, Scott traded a loft bed for a unicycle on the internet, and now he falls off a unicycle on a regular basis. Recreationally, that's how I do. (laughs) And this is Wednesday, so we're going a little bit deeper into Raptor, which we started talking about on Monday. And uh, let's see how a little bit more of that game plays out. about cards, which is how you do stuff in Raptor. Just a quick refresher. Uh, Both players have cards. You Mm -hmm. select a card from three that you have in your hand that you would like to play. You reveal them at the same time. If you've got the lower number, you get to do the cool thing on that card that you selected. And if you have the higher number, you get to do no cool thing, but several less cool things. The (laughs) the basic action variety. Yeah, you get actions to like run around the board and do violence. Yeah, pretty much. One thing we didn't mention last week is if you happen to play the same card as somebody else, nobody does anything. Nothing happens. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It happens and you both feel foolish. It's so annoying. (laughs) So annoying. Especially happens when you counted the cards wrong and you think you've got one up on your opponent and the only card they have left is the same number you're about to play. Yeah, the card counting aspect of it's actually really interesting. Um, Because because there's a card in each person's deck that reloads their discard pile into their deck early, rather than uh, a game like Lord of the Rings Confrontation where the hands play it at the same pace, in this... I might wind up on my last card while you've got most of your deck available to you, and that Mm. timing is really uh, interesting when it gets out of whack. Agreed. Anyway, Scott, would you like to uh, give your Game Guru pitch as to how you play the different actions in this game? Yeah, so the decks each have uh, four actions, each of which shows up twice. Mm-hmm. And the ninth card is a number nine that just has a cool piece of art and no special ability. Uh, because you only play your special ability if you've played the low card in the round, the nine is never going to be the low card, so it doesn't need to have a special ability. It's just for playing when you think the other person has played their two, and you can take a big turn of running around and doing violence. The other cards, uh, the scientists have two cards that let them put fire tokens on the board, which are obstacles that the raptors can't move through. Uh, They have two uh, two cards that let them add two new scientists to the board, which is important because if you run out of those, you lose. You start with ten of those. Well, you start with four on the board. But ten over ten. Ten in total, yeah. Yeah. They uh, have two cards that let them drive jeeps around the board, which let them move like a, a rook from chess or if you prefer exactly like Mom Raptor, as far as you like in a straight line. And they have two cards that let them put out one or two babies unconscious in a slightly different way. They don't need line of sight, and they don't need adjacency. They just have to be on the same tile or a a nearby tile. The idea is that they've sort of high-lobbed a gas grenade, and it's uh, put out the baby. The number one card, which puts out one baby in that way, also lets the scientist reload their discard pile into their deck, which is that timing quirk I mentioned before. So there's a lot of things here that are basically allowing the scientists to do things more from a distance that they normally can. At a safer distance or in a way that uh, will slow the raptor player down. Yeah. Because, I mean, the last thing you want to be doing is lining up a shot to a baby and putting yourself in direct line of fire from Mama. Yeah, the scientists are real squishy, so a lot of their strategy is just about mitigating how fragile their pieces are. (laughs) The raptor deck has two cards that allow the raptor player to shake off sleep, whether that's ditching hits from uh, from the mother, from the the scientist tranquilizers, or waking up babies. 
They have two cards that let them terrify scientists, either one or two scientists, depending on the card, hit the dirt in panic, which is adorable. Um, They have two cards called Mother's Call, which allow one or two babies to move from anywhere on the board to the tile that mom is on, as long as they can legally get there in terms of obstacles and things. Um, But it lets uh, the raptor rapidly redeploy and uh, waste a bunch of the scientists' time catching up. And then my very favorite thing in this game is the Raptor has two cards. That uh, The game's rule for it is titled Disappearance and Observation. But if you're playing this game for the right reasons, you're calling that card Clever Girl because it lets you take the Raptor, the Mother Raptor figure off the board, then the scientists tool around and do their turn. At the end of it, Mom Raptor reappears anywhere you want her to, directly behind the Australian dinosaur hunter who immediately dies. Um, That card also lets, uh, where typically you're playing the cards simultaneously and revealing them simultaneously, if the last card Mom Raptor has played is Clever Girl, then the scientist has to reveal their card first, and then Mom Raptor gets to decide what card they are playing in response, because she has spent her downtime off the board spying on the squishy humans. Uh, So it's a good way for the uh, Raptor to frustrate the scientists and... uh, and sort of make them play reactively, which is not what you want to be doing in a game like this. No, absolutely. I mean, one thing I guess we've sort of brushed around and really should mention at this point is that this is very, very heavily themed to a certain book, movie, and so on. It it bears a lot of resemblance to that. It's a lot like Shogun. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jurassic Park. Uh, They're basically interchangeable, though. Yeah, it is. It is not. It is its own. uh, You know, it's been presented as its own license. But uh, anybody who enjoys Jurassic Park and wants to play out a crazy sequence from it, will get a lot of a kick out of this game. It really it scratches that itch really hard. Enjoyably, the rules don't attempt to set up a a backstory or an explanation. They don't talk about why there are dinosaurs and humans coexisting or who the scientists work for that they're hunting them. The trope is established enough that they can just go the scientists are hunting dinosaurs and you go of course they are (laughs) it's really great the way it just keys off that I mean what else would you be doing of dinosaurs in this day and age right making friends with them and being terrified riding them hunting them from Cadillacs if you grew up at the same time (laughs) (laughs) well one of the things Scott pointed out just before we started recording this episode actually was that uh, one of the scientist figures is actually cradling a baby raptor and we did talk at the end of the last episode about how good the models were and I hadn't seen that before and that just made them even better yeah one of the nice touches they could have done I mean you could play this with with ten meeples as the scientists or Mm -hmm. ten little cardboard discs Uh, But they've given us ten unique scientist miniatures, each a uh, different piece of plastic with a uh, variety of genders represented, which I think is really cool. Lots of games don't bother with that, and this one really does. And in a cute reference, one of the scientist figures is a guy in a suit running in panic with a briefcase. Again, I think a Jurassic Park uh, (laughs) reference. Absolutely. It's lovely. There's no plastic outhouse in this, though. So Raptor, we file it at snakes under light strategy, uh, meaning that it's it's pretty accessible, uh, but accessible in terms of rules and learning curve doesn't mean there isn't a deep game there. And I think Raptor Mm -hmm. does a really good job of sitting in that sweet spot of the game is pretty easy to learn. The interface is quite good, so it's easy to see what your options are moment to moment. But there's a really significant depth of strategy going on. For the uh, humans, it's about sort of impeding the raptors, slowing them down, trying to uh, make it more complicated for the mom raptor to kill your scientists, or at least 
spreading your scientists apart so that they can't all get eaten in one sort of little buffet line of humans. For the uh, raptor, it's about sneaky nonsense, right? It, it plays like it's your jungle, and you have abilities that let you get around it in ways that are frustrating to the humans. So it's sort of about playing to your strengths. It's sort of about uh, trying to work a turn or two ahead, and part of that involves keeping track of what they might have, what the other person might have in their hand, by keeping track of what's in their discard pile. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't, but. Um, it has a lot of guesswork of trying to anticipate what the other person can do or might do. Um, and it has a lot of, if you're really sure that the other person has played their nine and is heading for a big turn on actions, play your eight. Enjoy using the very powerful action that's on the, uh, the eight card and enjoy the other person blowing their nine on just a single action point for their turn. A lot of it is about anticipating what the other person's up to. And after even one game, you start to really twig to uh, to how and when and why you make those kinds of choices. Well, and one of the things I find with this as well is the most terrifying moments can often be when somebody has just reshuffled their deck. Because all of a sudden, you, they can do anything they want right now. You have no idea what three cards they just redrew. You have no idea what's coming out. And that ability to check the discard pile to see what might be coming just isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're basing your strategy in a very like short term, like these are the three cards that I have, or, like that I know I will have access to for the next three turns, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm basing my strategy around. So it can be very like frustrating to have to change what you're doing. Like you know, let's say you had three cards that like really work towards this one particular goal, and then the next like four that you draw are completely useless to that strategy. Like you have do have to think ahead not only of what the other player is doing, but what you could possibly do. Because not every like strategy will require the same actions. You know, if you're mm-hmm. trying to like if you're trying to like block in the raptors, then you want to maybe use a lot more like fire and stuff, or like you might need to like get around less and just like ditch obstacles everywhere. Or if you're like the mother and you're really just trying to escape, then it's in your best interest to use more of your movement points instead of your like super aggressive, murdery jaws. Well, and you you have that thing of combined strategy of basic actions and cards, because mm-hmm. then if the mother if you can fire off your nine as the mother raptor and the human has just played a, a one or a two, mm-hmm. and you can really run around the board a lot, and then you can mother's call and bring your babies to where you are, that's kind of the most effective way of actually getting the baby raptors off the board. Yeah. The one thing I would add is that what ultimately makes raptor a really great game for me is the integration of theme and mechanics. Mm -hmm. Each of those actions feels like a little bit of narrative. The moments of tension in the gameplay strategically mirror moments of tension in the narrative. The scientists panicking because they're losing their friends. Uh, The raptor making a break for it while mom runs around defending her kids. It It feels like an emotionally engaging narrative every time you play. And uh, without getting into being a story game, the story supports the rules in a way that makes it really uh, easy to learn and easy to choose to come back to. I really like that in a game. And that's about it for this episode of The Snakes Cast. Join us again on Friday, where we talk a little bit more about Raptor, but also about asymmetrical two-player games and other examples that we enjoy. Scott will be here again. It'll be great. See you on Friday. (laughs)